Hey there, podcast listener, and welcome to the Film Philosophers, where movies are more than just moving pictures. A place where we chat about the latest films, their story, and how they reflect society. So without further ado, from the heart of Melbourne, the pair of film philosophers you have all been, not necessarily waiting to hear from, but here they are anyway, Georgie Igoris and Adam J. Marsh. It's good to be here, man. It's good to be doing this, right? It is good to be doing I this. I can hear you like ruffling into the Greek biscuits over there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is um, this is very timely given that Parasite won Best Film, right? And like, Best International that? Film, and what was the other award it won? Best Director. I think it's a sign of the times. Like you know, Parasite, it's come out in a big way. I know I'm a big fan of South Korean cinema myself. Yes, yeah, I. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's been pretty under underappreciated by the general you know western uh cinema goer and i think that with parasite what it winning the oscars is gonna do two things it's gonna a bring more attention to mid-budget independent films i think the sorry low budget that was like 10 million i was gonna say yeah. like that you told you just told me that they built the house right so from yeah scratch, ten, like... 10 million dollars though like that's sure. fucking incredible for what they accomplished yeah and, uh, yeah and the other thing is, I think it's going to bring a lot of attention to the older South Korean films, like, uh, say, Old Boy. Right. Uh, I know they remade that and all, and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and uh, Joint Security Area. There's a whole bunch of South Korean films that are just incredible. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Bong, uh, Bong Joon-ho, he, uh, he's definitely, um, definitely a master at what he does. Have you seen his other films? Snowpiercer. Yeah, I, lo- I love. I, I love Snowpiercer. For me, like Snowpiercer, and 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 he and he does it here as well. He explores. He loves exploring that like mm. difference in society, like the different different demographics in society, and how even though they're all different, they're all the same as well. Yeah, because I really. I just want to touch on one thing, yeah, yeah. Um, and I made a note of this, but uh, it seems like a lot of the films in the, in the last 12 months have really touched on, you know, social mobility, the class, you know, warfare and all of that. Right. Uh, you know, the erosion of the middle class, uh, the concentration of wealth and, you know, the mega wealthy. Uh, we had films like The Joker, Sorry We Missed You, um, great films in, the, in last year. And uh, they seem to be really popular. And I, I feel like these films are the signs... The, the movies of a decade, they sort of encapsulate what's happening so much, you know, after the global financial crisis. Right. We're living in the, you know, the wake of, of that event. And I feel like the more we go down this rabbit hole of inequality, it's going to come out a lot more in cinema. There's going to be more films that dive deeper into this in, in less superficial ways. I feel like they're going to really immerse their world, their character into social inequality and this is just the tip of the iceberg so it's good to see that you know art is reflecting the sign of the times well, I, I would add, I, I agree with you totally and but I, I i would add though to say that um i think those films and the stories are always being told except now it's like you said becoming more visible and becoming more socially Part socially acknowledged yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's great that the academies like acknowledge them. I actually just watched a little bit before you got here. Yeah. I watched the um, acceptance speech by by the crew, the the the, the directors and stuff. Uh, you, and, did you see that little woman at the front? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But one thing that she said, I, I can't remember what her name was, but like yeah. one thing that she said that sort of um, stuck with me was that we want to thank 
our Korean audience mm. for always pushing us creatively to like make better movies. Yeah. Make better. And I was and I was wondering how is this going down in all in LA where they just make movies for the sake of fucking making them because they got so much money and they're just like making shit, making shit, and whatever sticks sticks. It's like they're just throwing shit at the wall. Yeah. And whatever sticks is great. Whereas these guys have actually v- verbalized and acknowledged the fact that they listen to their audience. They want to achieve. They want to push their artists. They want to push their creators. They want to push yeah. their writers, the directors, etc. You don't hear that from any other acceptance speech in Hollywood, full stop. I've never heard in all my time that I've watched the Academy Awards or any other Western award show in film where they sit there and go, I want to, we want to acknowledge the fact that we wouldn't be able to make this movie if it wasn't for the feedback and we're listening to our audience, which is always pushing us, pushing us, pushing us. They're like, I want to thank the producers for supporting me in this thing and believing in my project mm. and giving me the money and we're all, you know, Leonardo's a great actor and George Clooney's an amazing actor and Brad Pitt. And the... There's never anything to talk about the craft and why, the core reason of why people make movies mm. for the audience, right? And sure, they go at the end, I would like to thank our audience, but they don't specify how, have they listened to the audience? Like, I think that's really important. I think it's Hollywood hubris, you know. Uh, I feel as though, just from what I've seen, that producers and directors, if their film flops, they tend to not take on board the responsibility themselves because it's pretty painful to acknowledge that, you know, what you've created. You've put all this time and energy into it, all this money, this risk, and then it flops. It's easier to blame the audience than it is to blame yourself. And it's easier to take credit for the idea right. and, and come up with what you think an audience wants to see versus really listening to your audience and understanding what they want. Exactly. But there is also this delicate balance where if you make something purely for what you think another person wants to hear, it can also tend to be shit because you can start taking safe risks. Uh, you can start making safe choices and art dies in safety. But, uh, you know... I feel like with that's what Australia needs to be. It needs to be more like South Korean cinema. Uh, we don't have as much money going around in this country, in, in the cinema um, sphere here, but we do have a wealth of, you know, passion, talent, and it's getting leached over in the UK and into Canada and even in America rather than being utilised here. And uh, I, I think our audiences probably aren't as loyal as South Koreans because, you know, they watch more... Uh, I mean, I can only speak for myself, too. I tend to watch more uh, UK and US films rather right. than Australian because I've been burnt so many times watching shitty Australian cinema. And, yeah. I'll, it sucks. I, I 100% agree. I would say I'm actually turning more to UK stuff and European stuff, whereas mm. before I was, like, always focusing on, on American stuff. Yeah. And, and you realise you realize very quickly when you actually analyze it and sit down and, and look at it properly and, and that the UK style of writing the European but UK specifically because it's English and it's easily accessible the writing is so much better mm. so much more rich the themes that they're exploring they're exploring them without any cliches or the ones that I watch anyway but like they're not scared to show you the truth whereas America is very there's a lot of filters going on with American films right um, and where like with Australian films well, with Australian content, we're very, very careful. We're very cliche, I find, mm. in our, t- especially what's on commercial TV. It's just, it's almost sickening, and I can't, 
nothing. Yeah. I, I can't even watch it. It's all cliches and it's like anyone could have written Neighbours. And anyway, like you've got so much like Neighbours and all, all these major TV shows. If you actually got some artistic, really artistic, and I'm not saying, I'm not going to go to the, the people who Have a neighbors. go at them. No, no, fuck them. Have a no, go. No, they're, they're really creative people, but they're, they're, they've got like uh, a square that they've got to work within and I understand that, right? But imagine you had like same characters, but like were able to like infuse really out of the box dialogue in there and, and explore really interesting themes, right? How amazing! Like I would watch Neighbours, right? If if it explored themes like the Parasite does, right? In a really quirky, cool way, right? rather than being cliche about it. You know Which, what I mean? I mean, I've got no examples, but I, audience, I, I don't watch Neighbours. I feel <laughs> like Neighbours is the methadone of uh, all TV. You know, you, you, right? You, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah. Here's here's your uh, here's your cookies and cream. You know? <laughs> like this is what it is. Oh, but the link it back to Parasite. The yeah. writing. Uh, this is actually an interesting Let's do point. That. Let's link it back to. Parasite. This is such. Sorry, yeah. a, everyone, everyone who doesn't speak Korean, they look at this film and read the subtitles. The subtitles are such an important component of this film. You don't right. really connect to it ver- uh, verbally. You connect to this film textually and visually, right? Um, and our, one thing that I, I looked at was that there was an American in South Korea who was recruited by the film crew. And uh, the, the level of uh, granularity that he had to drill down into in terms of detail with right. translating was that they were looking at whether the f- utilizing Oxford University or Harvard University, what would translate wow. better? You know, and also there's a lot of... um, To that detail, right? Exactly. Wow. And I think it's a very big skill in of of itself that, you know, if this was mistranslated or under-translated and it wasn't specific and it didn't, you know, lend that uh, pathos and lend that uh, empathy towards the main characters and the struggle and the plights that they go through, you probably wouldn't care as much. The subtitles are super important in this film to build that connection between audience and character. Totally, especially like with these kind of like when you've got multicultural films that yeah, mm. English is not the first language of of, of your characters. Yeah, um, that's super important. I think the other thing that I guess these foreign films probably have become a lot better at doing, and I suppose I've become better at listening for and, and feeling is the sound in and toning people's voices and mm. the characters still digging into those Greek biscuits. Um, over there for a reason <laughs> um, but sorry what I wanted to say was like I, I also feel that especially with a film like this the music even though it's it's, you can almost forget about that it's forget that it's there but I, but but it, but it adds to the tempo and rhythm of the actual characters voices and the other thing I actually noted down um, too was the amount of dialogue is is there's a lot of space between it. Like there, there is chunks of it here and there mm. when they're discussing or, or hitting on key moments, but there's always space. And there's these, I think it's, it's a Korean thing as well, but like they give it that space, A, whether it's that style or, or B, probably more so, for, so we can actually absorb it and have time to go, oh, I see what's going on here. It's probably a little bit of both, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not Korean, so I can't sort of comment on that. But... um. But I really like that, and I think that's really important. I mean, my background's Greek. If I was going to make a Greek movie and put subtitles in it, I'd be more aware of that because all the Greek movies I actually watch, all the older ones, they're all quick. There's like if you had, you you haven't got time to read 
the the subtitles. All the newer Greek films that I've seen, and there's not many, but but they give it that space, and I yeah. feel like I feel like I feel like those foreign films they do that, maybe for an artistic sense, but they also do it so audiences in the Western world, in the English speaking world, can actually give them the time to understand it. And you know, <clears throat> admittedly, uh, I. And this, is, this actually was a hard film for me to get into. Um, why? Tell me why. I want to know. Because I, uh, I had a friend try and watch it the other night with me. And she... Um, I mean, there's a lot of barriers to entry. Through. There's a lot of barriers to entry. Yeah. And um, I'm going to touch on this in a scene that I, I didn't like. Well, tell me about it. Well, I'll, pre- I'll give this preamble first. Uh, I, like, normally I'm a person who watches movies with subtitles. Because, you know, uh, I'm hard of hearing. So it doesn't necessarily um, distract me. What did you say? Hard of hearing. What? <laughs> Sorry, it was there. It was I'm there. I'm gonna sue you for discrimination. You <laughs> it was there. Yeah, it was. Oh, I didn't hear you anyway. <laughs> so like, uh, it it wasn't the fact that like I'm reading these subtitles or anything like that. Uh, it's that I just wasn't hooked for whatever reason, and it was a slow burner. But you know, upon watching it for the second time, um, it did grow on me, and I started to understand the importance of this film and. And, you know, the South Korea, there's a phenomena that happens in a lot of Western uh, economies and, and countries right now. There's, there's a rise of nationalism. There's a, a rise of the lower and lower middle class that, and especially the younger generation, uh, you know, my age, same with your generation as well, yeah. uh, that people are given up the dream of owning their own home because it's just not economically viable. Uh, we're living paycheck to paycheck. Real wages haven't gone up. Uh, if you're investing in shares, then great, and you have ownership in these companies, then you're going to get ahead. But if you don't, f- forget about it. So that's this is something that translates very well, but you really need to dig deeper in order to, to get that. Um, so, I, I mean, so with today... We're going to be choosing two scenes. Yeah. Uh, a scene we didn't like and a scene we did like. Sure. So let's start off with... I'm going to start off with the one that I didn't like. Uh, the opening scene is the one that I didn't like. The okay. opening scene. Uh, and that's when he's like trying to get signal and they go to the toilet and all that stuff. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. the family are basically, you know, on their mobile phones, interacting, using the internet. And uh, they're leeching... They're leeching uh, their neighbor's Wi-Fi, uh, and there's only one spot in the room where they really get the signal. There's a Which lot is of... the toilet. Yes. Which is kind of That's symbolic right. as well, right? There's a lot of symbolism, of and I felt like it just gets jammed down your throat a lot in this movie. Yeah. And yeah, in a lot of ways, it's done well. And uh, you know, that's for... a good point. I, yeah. Yeah, but probably is a little bit over the top. I felt that another opening scene could have worked a lot better in. In that, I mean, we get it. We're, we're establishing that world they live in. We, we understand their character. That's great. But I want to see... I felt like it would have been better to see them dropped into a puzzle. Let's figure out their motivations. Let's see their aspirations. Let's see, you know, how much money they got in their wallet. When the bills come in, how do they, um, you know, spend their money that way? Uh, and, and, you know... Then, then the next thing in the, the, the opening scene is that... Uh, there's a person in the street who's spraying to kill bugs. Yeah. And then they open up all the windows because it's a way to, you know, 
uh, you know, leech in a very parasitical way, that, that free service to kill the bugs that are in their um, apartment. And that way of life is, you know, suffocating them. I get that. I yeah. understand that but completely. Wasn't that a beautiful, like... Not to me, no. Oh, but the, maybe not the opening scene, like you said, but having... That was a bit of a shock to me, like the fact that he's like, open the windows. He's like, no, leave the windows open. We get free um, detoxification, totally. right? And he's just like, I'm just going to fold these boxes. Everyone else is coughing, the family, and he's just folding boxes and watching the videotape of how to fold boxes, right? Because he's like, this is my task, and I'm getting free. And he's like, he was almost happy. Totally. And I understand that, and I can appreciate that as a writer and a a director myself, but does that have to be the opening scene? It doesn't. It's not necessary. And I think that's why this film is such a... You know, and it, this is this just goes back to today's ADHD, um, you know, uh, culture where people just don't have the attention spans, and we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just I couldn't get into it because of that. And um, yeah, no, it's a fair point. Yeah, it's a fair point. What I get it. What scene didn't you like? I I watched a few times, and I watched it again last night. I watched half of it last night, and we got to a scene, and we, we spoke about it with a friend, and. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the scenes that they show like disgusting things like like the toilet that they sort of mock it up and, and make it funny or, or have like a bit of a comic relief. Yeah. One scene that they kind of didn't do that for and I felt like it was the only one once I kind of had, had a think about it and was the bit that the um, the young son is in the bedroom teaching English to the young girl Yeah. Um, where he actually kisses her. Mm. Yep. And I'm like, that's a little, that's all, that was like creepy as well almost because how old's he and how old's her they're the same age that's what i thought but i'm thinking she's in high school maybe she's like 15 16 he's got to be post post uni what's what's the rule you gotta well, date half your know. age plus seven well but yeah but this is the thing like is it i was thinking about it i was like that was weird because they didn't make reference to it again i know they have a kind of relationship and they're you know like kind of in love and stuff which is great and like that's that's an artistic commentary on yep. the situation, but is it is it is it a, is it an Asian thing? Is it a South Asian thing? Is it more acceptable in that kind of society? I don't know. Um, I just it mm. felt a little bit weird for me um, in terms of a in terms of a scene, I guess. Um, anyway, that, that's why I understand that they they wanted to have that relationship. I would have felt a little bit better if she was if he was a little bit younger. Because for me, just she seems like she's almost fourteen. He seems like he's twenty something, and that that was the kind of anyway. But that, that was that, that was it. I mean, it, it, maybe the filmmaker was trying to like show that that there is that that is an issue, and we shouldn't accept it, or or, or we we shouldn't, or if it's consensual, then it doesn't matter. I don't know. It, it's an artistic decision, and and, and it's fine. It's just kind of like. It's not that I didn't like the scene. It was more that I... It was the only moment I'm like going, oh. yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. But it's, again, it's Fair a story point. thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that was it for me. <laughs> I, I like most of the scenes. But you, you, you're you going to tell me which one uh, you like? <laughs> I, I am going to tell you. I've got, so. I've got a couple, but I feel like they're all related. Um, well, I, admittedly, the... The two scenes I love the most is the penultimate scene at the birthday party. Right. I had a feeling you were going to say that. But I also love the rain flooding scene. 
visually Heart and flooding scene so tell me why because i really love that but i didn't put it in mind well my I'm top gonna, i am going to focus on the rain flood scene uh rather than the birthday party because i felt like if i talk about the birthday party it's too much of a spoiler it's too much of a spoiler why don't i go first because you know why because your rain scene is directly after my favorite scene uh, I, I thought you would pick the party scene. No. Ah. I was thinking about it. I was like, no, I'd like... I'll go mine first because you yours, yours, yours is next. Right. So I loved... I've got an earlier one, but I'll, I'll go... I'll, I'll... You pick one, oh. motherfucker. <laughs> I've got two. I've got two. I love I love the scene prior to the raining scene. Which one's where they, that? Where, they, where they're in the house and it's like an elongated scene where they're in the house and they get whiskey and they're having whiskey and they're watching the rain fall on the grass Oh, and, yeah. And the father says something really, 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 really important pertinent to me. He's like, this is pretty classy. Rain falling on the lawn while we sip our whiskey, right? And it's like, I, I saw it as like an appreciation of the class that they're living in for that moment. But because one thing I really noticed was that when he pours the whiskey, if, if they were there to ransack the house and steal from these people, they're not there to do that. Mm. They're there to go, you know what? We want all this luxury, but we don't want to have the responsibility that comes with having to like work hard, have all this responsibility, have all this money to get to this because then we can't enjoy it because we're worried about the money and the responsibility. Whereas them sitting there doing that and going through this was like, we're enjoying this. And like, he actually, I think he actually says to his wife, he's like, this is not our house. She goes, oh, would you like to live in this beautiful house? He's like, sure, but this is our house, at least for now. It's not like we're going to steal this house. It's not like we're going to ransack the mm. jewellery. I mean, they could have gone into the jewellery room and grabbed all the jewellery. They don't do any of that. Yeah. They're just, they're just loving the experience of like leeching, like you said earlier, leeching off these people, but actually appreciating it because they don't have the responsibility. And That's I re- true. I really like that. And I also like the lead on in that. Mm-hmm. I love them under the table. While the rich couple are lying on the ca- on the, on the on the couch, yeah, and this this is that another, is a good bit. That is, and this is another really important thing because then you see the reversal of that, and you see the rich mother is like, um, what did you say? She goes, oh, sorry, the the poor the poor the poorer family. While while he, after he says that whiskey thing, she yeah. says, does money? Because he says, oh, I really like the rich lady. She's a really nice lady, but she's gullible, right? But, but I really like her. And she, and she goes, does money, his wife, does money make you make you a nice person or are you a nice person regardless? And I think that's a really interesting point because it's like we all want to have heaps of money, but is that going to make us better people? Yeah, or do you have to be yeah. a better person regardless of the money? And I like that sort of, I like that because the next little bit in that scene is the rich couple come in and they all hide under the table and they start filling each other up. Right, so the rich people start filling each other up, um, and what do you, what do you think uh, Bong is trying to say with that? Well, this is the thing, like because he says to her, "The rich people like sex." <laughs> well, no, this is the thing, right? Because yeah. and this, I think, this is almost like um, the probably the most important moment for me because it actually makes you go, "Oh my god!" Yeah, these rich people are actually the same, and these poor people are the same. They got the same wants and needs because he says, right? He says to her. Have you got those panties from the car? Mm. Right? I'd really turn me on if you wore them right now. And she goes, really? She goes, 
would you buy me drugs right now? And he's like, and they just kept, and they, I think that was it, right? But earlier when he finds the panties in the car and they sack the driver, he specifically says, look at this dirty guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, like the lady that would have been in there would have been a druggie, heroin mm. and cocaine. Oh mm. my God, that's so bad. Mm. But when they're behind closed doors, so it's almost like saying, for me, that was almost saying, when we're, when we're out in public, we're going to be like, oh no, that's bad. I don't, want, I don't do drugs. I don't, I don't think about those kinky, immoral, sexual things. But when we're behind closed doors, hey man, that's what turns me on. It's hypocrisy, yeah. It's hypocrisy at, at its highest, right? And I think that was really interesting. And then after that, obviously, they go out into the rain. Cause yeah. They, they're snoring in the morning and, or late at night and um, they go out into the rain, which is a beautiful scene. And I'll let you talk about that. Okay, so... Uh... The rain flood scene. Um, if you so if you're listening to this, I'm going to assume like you've watched this film, so I don't have to explain, you know, the, the intricacies or what led up to it. But uh, and if you haven't seen it, go out and watch it because it's an yeah. awesome movie. Go right? out and watch it. Yeah. It, it is worth watching. And force um, yourself through the first half hour if you feel like it's getting slow, because once you get past that, once mm. that, once you get once the family gets into that rich per, 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 per people's house. It just takes on another level, and, and there's unexpected things. We won't spoil it. Yeah. But there's unexpected things that go on in that house that you would not even think about. Okay, so the Kim family are the ones that are the lower class. The Park family are the upper class, the employers. So the Kim family home uh, basically gets flooded with water. And I, you know, this is their former home is the nest. Like, we use that whole, you know, parasitical language. It's a nest of, you know, their hive. Oh, I like that. It's that's the good. final link to their, you know, previous lives in the lower class. Like, that's all their worldly possessions. And this is, you know, this is where their delusions of grandeur, you know, first manifested. Now they're living that uh, dream in, you know, the rich right. uh, Park family home. And uh, when it floods... This is where they cross the Rubicon. They, they, there's a sense of finality to their journey because they can't go back to their previous lives. Right. It's washed away. Uh, and, you know, there's no going back. And all of, and given that there's a lot of materialistic pleasure-seeking and aspirations here, all of their precious belongings that they have, the you know, the, the shit that they had in their uh, old home, um, the basement apartment where they lived, all of those material items and memories are lost forever. They're damaged by the water. And that's the link to their old identities, their new identities, the ones of, uh, they've created working for the Park family. That's more solidified now. That's all they've got. They've only got their jobs now. Once everything's stripped back, they've got their jobs. That's it. Um, but this scene I love because the, the set design is amazing. Oh, the choreography wow. is great. The cinematography is awesome. Just the look of it. The, the look of the it. Lights, the lights, the way the, sound, the light works everything. in the dark. And that, I think that was shot in studio. That wasn't actually shot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, it must have been a nightmare to work of so much water. Yeah. Yeah. Danger as well, right? Danger. Totally. As well. And you have to waterproof everything. You've got to make sure... Um, also, the, the use of water is great. You know, they have to very, uh, you know, they've got to figure out, okay, where is this water going? What's going to be wet? Mm. What's the motion of this water? Where yeah. is it flowing from? You know, the opening scene, uh, Kitake, he's the father of uh, the uh, the poorer Kim family. 
uh, he he's running through the streets and water just gets splashed on his face and yeah. all of the all of the uh, neighbors are just with these buckets you know um, water it, out. it's almost uh, it, it's almost um, sinking ship style stuff it's a Her- it's not Hercules what what's that What's that guy who's destined... Is it Atlas? Atlas. The holding, it, holding the globe? Yeah. Atlas, yeah. It, it's just this, you know, task that they're doing that's... It's not going to save their homes, and yet they try. Then they're splashing this water. It goes into the face of uh, our hero. Uh, the, the blocking of that is incredible. It adds a lot of kinetic energy and immediacy and tension to the scene. And when it's mixed in with the music, like, you get it. it there's no real danger... But you you understand that something's happening that they can't come back from, and it's funny actually. I just I just realised you said it was like it represents kind of a cleansing scene, a cleansing of their past life, mm. and yet from that that point on, it's kind of like funny because at that point on, the rich family, the Park family, are always complaining about the smell yes. of, of him because of that. Yeah. Just, I just, I just realised that. That's they, really cool. They get kicked in the teeth after something bad happens, which is, you know, what a lot of the lower class go through when uh, things happen. You know, they get judged for it in a very uh, hard way. And, you know, um, on the other flip side, the the Park family, the rich family, they're, um, they don't have any issues from this weather. They don't, their home isn't damaged. They're... they're yeah. They're um, isolated from any of the consequences of this. Uh, and what, there was a metaphor that I really did like. In, tell um, me, tell me, tell me. I love metaphors. Scene. Yep. Bong Joon-ho, he, um, he uses metaphors a lot in this movie. But this, the moment where the sister uh, of the lower class family, you know, the toilet is just spraying shit. She's trying to keep it shut. And she clamps it down. Yeah, that is pretty the, And the bathroom is flooded with water. So, you know... It's just, it's funny um, and sad. You know, there's a lot of allegory to their own plight here. You know, acceptance of a shitty situation, yeah? (laughs) She's trying to make the most of it, but never quite being in a position to get completely out of it. That says a lot about the social mobility of themselves in the Western world at large, you know? And uh, she's doing her best to, to, you know, stay on top of it, to, to get everything, you know? But she's covered in muck and... Everything around her is just flooded. So, what is the point? But she still does it. She right? still does it. Yeah. And then the father, you know, when he moves through the apartment, and his eyes just say everything. You know, he's got his box of mega possessions floating on top of the water. Yeah. He's got tears in his eyes, and he's looking around at his home for the last time. He'll never be there again. It's very moving, and you almost understand that. They have to now stay in their employer's home. Mm. There's no going back. I this solidifies that. That's really important because I feel I've always felt through watching this whole movie is like in in a normal Western movie you have these lower class people or people who lead, you know wedding crashes or people who con people. Yeah, they're out there purposefully to like steal money to get rich to make money from it. This family I felt all along, even at the end, right. I've never felt I never felt like that they were there to steal money from these rich family. They were there to to steal the experience of living in a carefree world where they had everything. Mm. They weren't there for the monetary thing. I felt, which is really powerful because that wouldn't be made in America. You know what I mean? They'd be like, "Oh, we're gonna steal the jewelry now." That you can just tell yeah. if it was an American movie, there'd be like a jewelry room scene. 
the mother would be going into the jewelry box to get the jewelry and it just I think it I think it also highlights the fact of what is important to us Westerners if we were in that situation. If we were that family living in the house, would you pour a little snippet of whiskey only and sip it or would you pour yourself half a glass of this three, four hundred dollar bottle of whiskey? See, this is interesting because I feel like, you know, you can see when you reflect on this movie, it tells you a lot about your own programming by the world at large. Yeah. Everyone focuses on the financial side of all of this, right? Right, yeah. And ironically, wealthy people are all about assets and they don't have a lot of liquidity with cash. They have, they own businesses, they own properties, etc. And it's very easy to crucify the lower class Kim family as being parasites, but the exact same thing is true of the Park family, thank the rich you. family. Thank you, thank you. That's they like a parasitical on the labor. They don't do any of the work themselves. Exactly. They hoard the wealth and use that as a way to leverage other people to handle their dirty work. Exactly. Um, and you know, uh, Bong Joon Ho he made that uh, point as well, where you know, very easy to, to to look at the Kim family as being the parasites, but the same could be said of the Park family. Yeah. It's, it's spot on. I'm so glad you said that because that's what I was going to say too. Like, yeah. I feel like that's the key thing in this whole movie is like to, if you can realize that when you come out of it rather than going, oh, it looks amazing and da 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 da, and it's kind of funny. It's like if you can come out of it thinking that, yeah. for me, I think it's done its job. Absolutely. And I think if you spoke to the director, um, he would say the same thing. So for me, I want to talk a little bit about the end um, and how he writes this letter to his dad who's disappeared. We won't spoil. Anything. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Um, but that, yeah, like so, his dad's disappeared, obviously at the end, and he's writing him a letter, and we see it kind of played out. Now, whether that's his imagination or not, I don't know, but um, it's interesting because he he stated earlier when he when he got the f- fake documentation saying, "Don't worry, Dad, I'm going to go to uni and actually do this." Yep. I just printed out the documents a little bit earlier, yeah, <laughs> right, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but he actually is writing his dad this letter saying, "I will." finish uni i will go and make all this money and i will go and buy and be, you know buy that yes. house and all, all the rest of it um but i i really liked i really liked how that ended because they didn't they didn't actually tell you that he's actually done all that he's just writing it so yeah. you don't know whether he's going to do it i don't know did you feel like that that was actually happening because i kind of felt like it was a dreamlike thing and it was like yeah it was you couldn't quite tell whether he was uh you couldn't quite tell whether he was gonna, he was actually buying the house, or it was him imagining him buying. He took me off house. guard. I didn't quite know, but uh, you know, when when it gets revealed, it's like, uh, of course, it's so obvious. But I think credit to uh, to the director Bong for uh, doing that because um, that is kind of where his. It's just his movie really gets you caught up into it towards the end. Yeah. You lose your critical mind and you you, you fully give up, you know, your suspension of disbelief. You you, you invest in, in that. Mm. And, uh, you know, I wasn't analyzing it from that point when that part of the movie was going on. And um, it worked very well in that regard. Yeah. I agree. Um, look, I, I love this film personally. And uh, I don't... I don't want to dive into, uh, oh, you know, was it the best film of the year? Should it have won the yeah, best like film and all that? But I will say this. Um, this year was a very strong competition in the contest. You had, you know, Once Upon a Time in, Holly- uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
had the Joker, he had all of these other fantastic films. A case could be made for any of those films, including um, what I think was a big snub, Uncut Gems, which was my movie. You mentioned that last week, yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to... This was definitely not an upset. Uh, you could have made a case for any of those films to win an award. Sure. But uh, no one should be disappointed by Parasite winning outright this year. Uh, it's definitely well-deserving. It's an awesome, unique film. It does a lot and brings a lot to the table of cinema and it accomplishes things that haven't been done before. Um, and I feel like it's very timely and it, this is not only a good year for moviegoers, it's a great year for movie makers. But open-minded movie makers who are willing to like talk about those topics. I yes. think that's important. It's not Absolutely. just like if you're a movie maker, this is the year for you. It's if you're a a movie maker who's willing to take risks and talk about topics that are really important to society today. Um, oh, yeah. That's where you really... Yeah, Absolutely. I, I agree with that totally. If you need event videography, photography, or any other creative uh, filmmaking or anything to do with a camera, then go to momenttomoment.com.au. That's moment number two. Moment.com.au. Hit me up with an inquiry uh, because this is what I do for a living. I recently just got off a television commercial for Lego. Wow. Yeah, you were telling me yeah. about that the other day. Well, if, if you're plugging yourself in, yes. I, I should plug myself in. Plug yourself. <laughs> well, I'm an actor, but I, I'm, a, I'm an avid writer and I love writing and um, script writing and writing is my thing. So go to poeticink.com.au. That's poeticink with a K.com.au. Um, hit me up there or... Yeah, just subscribe to our podcast, right? Um, yes. And get in contact this, with us that way. Done. My name's Georgios. I'm Adam. Adam Giorgio. See you later. Hey, thanks for listening. We would love to hear your thoughts on our podcast. Please subscribe below and leave as much or as little feedback as you like. If you have any particular films you would like the film philosophers to discuss next time, send us a message and we will give it our best. Until our next cast, keep your pot at the ready and always remember that films are more than just moving pictures. This has been another episode of The Film Philosophers. Yasas.